0: So everybody is different. And and God responds to us differently. Uh, He he works with us differently. Um, You know, the Lord turned around and looked at the apostle Peter one time and said, get thee behind me, Satan. And I'm going to just go ahead and tell you right now, if, if that had been some people in some churches, and I'm not talking about me as your pastor saying it, if Jesus had said it, if Jesus would have turned around and looked at some of us and said, get thee behind me, Satan, some of us would have said, hmm, you're going to call me the devil. I'll just take my Bible and go home. Right? It's like I heard uh, I heard a, a, a mega church pastor say one time, he said, if the Apostle Paul had a church in my city, and if Jesus Christ had a church in my city, he said people would be... I would have a larger crowd on Sunday than either one of them would have because I don't talk to people. I'm not as blunt to share the gospel with people as Jesus or the Apostle Paul was. It's a scary thought, isn't it? People, Why? Because people are heaping to themselves teachers, having itching ears, as the Bible said. So God operates in different ways. And that's not to say there's a multiplicity of Of gods in the Godhead. To say that he is multifaceted. That is not to say there is a multiplicity of gods in the Godhead. That is to say that God. The one true living God. Has numerous attributes and abilities. Verse 12 of our text says. For as the body is one. And hath many members. And all the members of that one body. Being many are one body. So also is Christ. The. The. The defining scripture of the Old Testament. The, the defining scripture of the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you what it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is the defining scripture of the Old Testament. And that is why to this day that scripture is held in such esteem and regard of those who only follow and practice the Old Testament because they, that's been passed down in their heritage all of these years, that this is something that we are very, very uh, connected to. When the Bible says that Christ is one, it is referring to the spirit that indwell Jesus Christ. Of course, we understand tonight that God is that spirit. God is that spirit. To explain what I'm meaning tonight, Let's talk about this particular attribute that's frequently used in regard to the Lord. A lot of times people will say, you've heard people say, that we serve a God who is omnipresent. You ever heard that before? We serve a God who is omnipresent, which is to mean that He is everywhere at one time. There is not a place where God isn't. And there has never been a place where God isn't. Now, that sounds wonderful, and we could preach about that, and we'd probably have a good time here tonight if we preached about that. But you really do need to consider what that means. That's, that, that's, that's a big thing to say. There are con- considerable implications of that. If God is omnipresent, then that would mean that His Spirit, just as much as it fills the earth, just as much as it fills the heavens, that same spirit also even feels right now hell. Well, that's a a bold statement, Pat. Well, we know this is true because David told us in his Psalm 139, verses 8 through 10, David said, If I ascend up into the heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning... And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me. And thy right hand shall hold me. Folks, you cannot find a place where God is not. That should be such an encouraging thing to us tonight. I understand That we do have days. And I've had these days and you have. And maybe you had this day today. I don't know. I understand that we have days. Where we feel that we can't find him for anything. There's been days. That I felt like, I believe it was, was Job who said, I looked on the right hand and I could not find him. And I looked on the left hand where he doth work and I couldn't find him. He didn't seem to be in front of me. He didn't seem to be behind me. But isn't it amazing that all of a sudden, in the middle of Job's trial and dilemma, all of a sudden God began to speak. And Job remembers and Job understands that he was there all of the time. He was there all the time. And so it doesn't matter where you go. I'm going to tell you tonight. I don't advocate you doing this. Don't go do this. I'll be very disappointed if I hear you do this. Don't go in some bar to see if you can feel the Lord in that bar tonight. But, but if there's somebody in a bar somewhere. And they're sitting at a stool. And they're wondering if there's a God who loves them. And if they're wondering if God even cares about where they're at in their life right now, I'm going to tell you. They could be sitting at the bar stool. They could have any kind of stuff in front of them they would want to have. They might be in some, in some, uh, drugged in somewhere and have drugs laid out all in front of them and I'm going to tell you that if they'll call out to the Lord he is as close as the mention of his name and he'll be there just as quick as he'll show up here just as quickly as he'll show up there he'll as he'll show up here he will show up there God is always there it doesn't matter if it's the country club Doesn't matter if it's the crack house. Doesn't matter if it's the halfway house. It does not matter. God is always there. That brings comfort to me. That brings incredible comfort to me. Because it reminds me. And I have to be reminded of this sometime. I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I have to be reminded every once in a while that He's with me wherever I go. Whatever I'm doing, He's with me. Remember that when you're going through your storm. Remember that when you're when you're really having to go through a battle or 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 a valley that seems to be so deep and so long. Remember that God's with you even there. He's with you even there. Now, if you understand that God is omnipresent, it will also help you to understand oneness theology. Now, I'm I'm going a long way around to get to some of the stuff I'm I'm going to, but don't worry, I'm not going to try to cover everything tonight. All right? But but these are things I think these are important concepts that that we need to touch on as we're heading to this understanding of spiritual gifts. Now, Trinitarian believers will often point to the baptism of Jesus as evidence that there are three persons in the Godhead. And this is what they will tell you. They will say, Well, it's very obvious that there are three in the Godhead, because you have you have the sun in the water, you have the Father speaking, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And you have the Holy Ghost, because the Bible said the descended as a dove and set upon him. So they will say it's very obvious that there are three in the Godhead. The, the Son in the water, the Father speaking in heaven, and then the Holy Ghost descending. By the way, this would contradict Trinitarian theology if you really dug it down into it. Because... Because true Trinitarian theology will tell you that there are uh, there are um, there's only one God, three persons in the Godhead, but they're not. It, you can't separate everything and and look at three different. But yet they'll use that to say you can look at the dove as the Holy Ghost and look at the sun. So it, it doesn't hold up for them particularly. But if they don't know their theology, what they believe very well, they will try to use that. Um. If you understand God's omnipresence, you understand that just because the Spirit of God filled the humanity of Jesus Christ does not mean that God vacated all other time and space. When God manifested Himself in flesh, it does not mean that God said, Okay, I'm, I'm going to allow all of my spirit that fills all time and space, it's going gonna, it's gonna to all come out of that and... and all be invested in the, the man, Christ Jesus. Just as when the, the presence of God hovered above the, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, just as still God's presence still filled all time and space, it is the same with Jesus Christ. What, what I am going to tell you is that God still filled all time and space. He never ceased to be omnipresent. He never ceased to be omnipresent. What he did is he headquartered, he tabernacled, he headquartered out of that fleshly tabernacle called Jesus Christ. So while the headquarters could be in the water, the Spirit could still speak from the heaven and at the same time appear in the form of a dove as a signification that what John the Baptist had just declared was true, that this was, in fact, the Messiah, the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. And to think that is as intricate and compelling an attribute that omnipresence is. It is only one attribute of so many that our Lord embodies and has. Paul taught the Corinthians. He said, just as your body is one body that's made up of many different members. You've got arms. You've got hands. You've got fingers. You've got toes. It's got head, shoulders, knees and toes. Knees and toes. And eyes and ears and mouth and nose. And you can tell that I'm a dad of some toddlers. <laughs> Just as your body is one body made up of many different members, God is in fact the same. He is one God that expresses himself through many different characteristics. He, call, he is called Jehovah Jireh, but he's still Adonai. He's still Elohim, the one true living God. He's called Jehovah Nisi, but he's still the one true living God. He's called Jehovah Rapha, but he's still the one true living God. He's called Jehovah Shalom, but he's still the one true living God. He's called Jehovah Sidkenu, but he's still the one true living God. He's called Jehovah Mapholtai, but he's still the one true living God. And we can go on on and on talking about all that he's called. But it never changes the fact that all of that is referring to our one true living God. Amen. Many attributes relating to our one God. Why I'm having a good time tonight. Paul tells us that this understanding of the nature of God is critical to understanding the gifts of the Spirit. This is where we're headed, coming from now. Paul says to understand the nature of God in this oneness, it is critical to understanding the gifts of the spirit because although there are several gifts they are all working from that one spirit every gift every spiritual gift they all have their genesis in the spirit of god they do not have their they they, they do not spring from anything that is within you they do not spring from any any talent that you have uh, just because you're, you're gifted to speak doesn't mean that you have a gift to prophesy. These don't spring from your talents. These come from the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. When I say those, those are synonymous terms. And, and that's why you can have somebody who, who such as uh, Moses. You can have somebody such as Moses who was afraid to speak. He said, I'm slow of speech. Don't use me to talk, God. Yet by the end of his ministry, when the when the Lord's presence would move on him, he would speak very clearly. Matter of fact, one of the best sermons you have in all the Bible is preached at the end of the life of Moses by Moses. It's powerful. Why? Because there's something that happens when the Holy Ghost is working in your life. And it goes on. And that's why I, I read the scripture to you about when you're when you're made to come before these leaders and governors and rulers, you don't even have to you don't have to write down a whole bunch of notes about what you're gonna say. That astounds me. I'm gonna tell you I was challenged in my spirit because I thought if I what if that had been me? What if that had been me going up before the United Nations? I tell you what I would wanna do. I'd wanna write a bunch of stuff down. And I'd want to say, God, now you bless what I wrote down. <laughs> but he said, when you get in that situation, I'm not advocating preachers going around not having notes. You get in trouble that way. I promise you. But he said, when you're called into that specific circumstance, he said, I want you to stand up, and I want you to allow. You're going to be in a situation. This isn't, this isn't ministering to the saints this is this is reaching for the nations. It's a different. It, this, is a, this is a different situation that he's talking about there, and and you've got to let the Holy Ghost flow through you. And we've had some of the most shy people be some of the most gifted and prophetic people, and and you you get them by themselves, and and and, and you sit down in a room with them, and and, and sitting in the living room, and you can't get them to talk at all hardly. And yet when the Holy Ghost moves on them, it just flows out of them with authority. What is that? It's the gift of God moving in them. They all work from that one Spirit. I heard one time, I've mentioned this several times, but I want to go back to it. Uh, To me, he's one of the foremost uh, teachers on gifts of the Spirit, was uh, a wonderful pioneer in this latter day uh, by the name of C.M. Becton, Cleveland Becton. And I heard, I was there, and heard Brother Beckton lament one time. He said that it is a real shame that we do not have more comprehensive teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And he's, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that he is correct. It seems that we only hear them referenced from time to time. And there will be maybe every once in a while a brief explanation of what they are. And I think because of that, that's one of the reasons people have gotten away from from really. I think there's a lot of skepticism that is associated anymore with the gifts of the Spirit. There is a lot of skepticism, and and you got people who will sit back and and let's just use if it's a message in tongues that comes forth, and somebody will say, well, the message in tongues was long, but the interpretation was short. So I don't think that jives. That can't be right and and they're allowing skepticism to 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 cloud their mind. And part of that is this day and age in which we live, and the spirit of antichrist is working and 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 I'm telling you folks, one of the key things that the devil will use to attack all of us is that thing I've preached about this, that thing called doubt. He will assail you with doubt. And 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 he will batter he will batter the the uh the sails of your vessel without knowing that if he can get you to doubting, if he can just get you to doubting, then he can get you to pull back from all that God has for you. I'm going to tell you something. If you're truly going to be apostolic, if you are truly going to be apostolic, you have to learn how to step out. The apostolic church was never a church that was all about hedging their bet never they stepped out by faith and they did things that seemed crazy and when we do those things today 90% of the church says well that's just getting too far out there and let's let's be honest tonight i've been that person I don't mean the one stepping out either. I'm talking about the one saying, hmm. And we do need to be wise. And and, and all of those things, and, and, and I could make a bunch of disclaimers here right now. I'm not talking about, we got the kids out of here. I'm not, my son, get on me. I'm not talking about being stupid, Folks. But I am talking about listening to the leading of the Spirit of God. And so, Now, some people have done some dumb things and said, God told me. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and blamed a lot of stuff on God. And, and I've told you this before. Let me just throw it out here again tonight while I'm dealing with some of this stuff. As a pastor if you come to me for counseling if you come to me for counseling if you open up whatever it is you're talking about doing or wanting to do and you say well god told me to well you just took me out of the equation you're no longer asking me to counsel with you you just are telling me now because if god said and i tell you well, i don't think i don't think the lord said now i'm coming against well, it got awful quiet in here on a Wednesday night. I'm I'm going to help us. So, I do think, I'm not talking, I don't try, to, there's not anybody in here that I have tried to tell you exactly how to live your life and what you need to do and when you need to do it. I, you, that's not me. I don't pastor that way. I don't do that. And if you are... And and I am from the old enough school to believe that if you're making a major decision in life, you better get some wise pastoral counsel. I'm not talking about what what car you're going to get. I'm talking about you're making a major decision, and it's going to affect your family. I do think you need pastoral counsel in those situations. Very important. I understand sometimes because of pastoral failure cuz i don't think you need to get your pastoral counsel from somebody who's 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 leaving doctrine and and not being faithful to the word of god either i'm just thinking i want to make sure i say things the way i want to say them we have to be careful but if you've got a pastor that you Feel like you can trust and 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 walks with the Lord and hears from God it's a major life decision. I do think you should talk about that with them. But when you come and you say, "Just need," what do you think about it? And and they begin to say, "Well, I think these are here's a couple of things, areas of concern." And and says, "Well, I just, all I know is that God told me, okay. Well then, I can't help you." God told you, you just took me out of it. So either, because if I push forward, now I'm going to tell you that you didn't hear from God. Who wants to be that guy? So we, how did I get there? So we, (laughs) so we do need, we do need these things called gifts. We do need to be led by the spirit of God. It is an imperative that we are led by the Spirit of God. However, let's be wise and let's not be goofy and let's use a lot of this. If you use common sense, it'll get you a long, long way. It'll get you a long way. Now, there are some that will tell you because of, of different things that have happened through the years, this is where I was. Because of some things that have happened through the years and and people who have, Abuse some of these things. Some have gotten so far from gifts of the Spirit to the point where some of them even began to deny them and say, we don't need that today. That's not for the church today. But you remember what I was preaching about Sunday, and I mentioned this. God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God operated in the New Testament church through gifts of the Spirit, I've got news for you. The New Testament church has not ceased to exist we are still writing the book of Acts. The book of Acts is... There is no amen there. It's being written still. There's no there's no end of story. And it will be until the return of the Lord. And so, if they were a historical reality, then they are a gifts of the Spirit, then they are a present reality as well. But we hear so very little about their usage and how they're to be operated. and And... That, that causes, that causes issues sometimes because as, as somebody is filled with the Holy Ghost, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, there automatically is going to come with that a, a level of sensitivity to things in the Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, there is automatically going to accompany that a sensitivity to things in the Spirit. Now, some are going to be more attuned to it than others, and some are going to yield to it easier than others. That's why some people some people receive the Holy Ghost easier than other people do, because they yield themselves easier. And some people don't, maybe they don't know how to yield, or maybe they're afraid to let go, and and, and so they, they just, got, you don't open your mouth, it's kind of hard to talk in tongues. But some people are so intimidated and I don't want, what if I? what if what I'm feeling, what if that's me and that's not God? And what if it sounds silly and these people know it's just me? Get that out of your head. Get that out of your head. Speak it out by faith. And so when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, this sensitivity begins to come and and. If there's no teaching about these things, then there becomes this issue where stuff gets out of hand. It gets mishandled. There was a movement that come along in the mid-20th century, and it came out of the apostolic Pentecostal church, and it was called the Lateran movement. And that is where there was a strong emphasis placed on gifts and a decreasing... It, it, the, the emphasis placed on the gifts of the Spirit began to increase... And the emphasis placed on doctrine began to decrease. Folks, when that happens, you, you've got a recipe for disaster. You've got a recipe for disaster. And so, some saw the handwriting on the wall. They saw where it was headed and withdrew from that. And and to, today, that that movement has largely just it's fallen apart. It's not there anymore. Um, and, and there's a generation of people who were very skeptical of the gifts of spirit, not because they didn't believe in them, but because they had seen things misused and abused and mishandled. And so, uh, because of this, they, they just backed off of this stuff. They didn't want it to get out of hand in their church. And and I'm going to be honest with you as a pastor. Um, and and I've never had this situation here, but I have been in situations where this has happened, where somebody has said, well, let me ask you a question about the way this happened, because I didn't feel good about the way that happened. And if you've been around in operation of the gifts for any length of time, you might have been in a situation where you thought the same thing. And it caused a lot of questions, and so pastors having to answer a lot of questions and and they're trying not to hurt the feelings of one who is legitimately attempting to be used but may have may have gotten out of bounds a little bit. They don't want to hurt their feelings, but they don't want to be dishonest to the one who's asking the question. And, and so it there, it creates this friction. And, and so a lot of them just said, you know what, that's causing more problems for me than, than, than I need, and we're just not going to do it. And there are churches... Apostolic churches, I don't know if you can really call them apostolic, but apostolic churches where they said, we will not have a demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit here. And and publicly would make that statement. And I want you to know that is not how we feel here. We do want the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our midst. My philosophy on all of that is this. Do things ever get out of hand? Sure they do. Sure they do. Folks, I'm 32 years old. And sometimes I can be having a conversation with somebody, and when I walk away from that conversation, I I start scratching my head and saying, why did you say that? (laughs) How old are you, Kenneth O'Connell? You should know better by now. And I've got news for you. When When I'm 52 or 72 or however old I may ever get to be, I guarantee you, I'll probably have days where I'll say, why did you say that? It's, it's going to happen. Why? Because sometimes this thing right here runs off and leaves the rest of me. <laughs> and, I'll, and, and, and so when it comes to operating gifts of the Spirit, sometimes somebody feels they're in the Spirit and this stuff right here runs off and leaves them. But I do not believe... And throwing the baby out with the bathwater, We don't just chuck it all. Anything that God has given the church for the administration of the church should be used. Any gift. Listen to that. Very important. Any gift that God. I didn't give it to you. God has given to us. For the administration of the church should be used. Or else we are telling God we can get by just fine without your gifts. Now I'm not willing to tell the Lord that. But that does not mean it should not be regulated. And the scripture gives us parameters for these things. That's something we'll get into later. I had uh uh I, I did have talking about these sort of things, I did have somebody tell me one time that. They said a pastor should or a preacher, either one, should never interfere in somebody who is operating in the gifts, and and they were particularly upset because there was a there was a service that somebody was in and and somebody began to speak out a a message in tongues uh, in that service and whoever was in the pulpit uh, said, you know what, I don't think it's time for that yet, and so very kindly as they could but authoritatively they said uh they said ma'am i believe that god does want to speak to us through the gifts of the spirit tonight but i don't think it's time for it yet i'm going to ask you to please hold that word and and he went on preaching and it was a very powerful message I've, i've heard the message i've got it and very very powerful message and uh somebody said well that's not right you shouldn't do that and Uh, There's a couple of scriptures I would... And and they use this scripture. They said 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this. Quench not the Spirit. And if you do that in the pulpit, you are quenching the Spirit. I don't have time to break all this stuff down tonight and explain the context of what all that's talking about. But that is not a violation of that verse. The Bible does say that the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And, and this is the way that I feel about it. And, and I am the pastor of this church. And again, something we'll talk about. And I did mention this a few, maybe two or three months ago when I talked about t- some things with tongues. There are different administrations. That means this pastor may administer some things different than another pastor. And I've got a great example of it. My father-in-law will do some things different with some of that stuff than I will. And, and, and there may be somebody else who does it differently than both of us. Who's right? As long as you're in the book, you can all be right. He can do it how he's comfortable to do it, and I'll do it how I'm comfortable to do it. As long as it don't violate the Word of God, we're okay. And my personal feeling on it is this. If God has given Sunday, when I begin to preach Sunday, we, that was one of those services we could have just let it go. And, and we all left here and said, we had a great service. I didn't feel a release. So I felt very strongly about the message that I had to preach. So I don't feel like, y'all okay tonight? By the way, some of this stuff is my administration of it. You don't have to agree with it. Just don't make a big issue about it. We'll be all right. <laughs> If, God ha- if I know that God has given me a message. If I know that God has given me a very specific word for this church. I don't think God will interrupt me with the word he's given me. To stop it. To say something that it's not time for. That does not mean I'm against us having a move of the gifts of the spirit. Whether that's prophecy or tongues whatever it is, what it does mean is that at the right time, I'm all for that stuff happening. But I do believe it needs to be at the right time. That is the administration of this pastor in this church. And again, I'm not telling you you have to completely agree with that, but I am asking you to respect that. And if we do, in that particular service, when he probably preached another 15 minutes. And when he finished preaching... It was it's so powerful to me. When he finished preaching, the minister pointed at the lady. He said, Sister, if you still feel that message from the Lord, I want you to speak it out. And just like that, it began to flow out of her. Just like that. And she began to speak it out, and then the interpretation of it came. It was done decent. It was done in order. And the Word of God was able to be preached in its entirety. So these are things I think we need to be careful of. If regulation of the gifts is the same thing as quenching the gifts, then the apostle Paul was wrong when he wrote to the church at Corinth and gave them instruction. He said, look, if you're going to give, and he used this example. This thing, we always go back to this because there's more on this than there is anything else, it seems like, in all of it. But Paul said, if there's a message in tongues that comes, let it be one or two or at most three. And then no more. Now there's there's discussion on what does that mean? Does that mean you can have three sets of tongues interpretation? Does that mean uh, if there's a message that goes forth and there is no interpretation, and another message goes forth, there's no interpretation, and a third message goes forth, if somebody don't interpret it the third time, then so you can we can you can argue about exactly how it works. But regardless, the point at some point Paul said. We're going to shut this thing down. Well, what if somebody still feels to give a message? Well, too bad, Paul said. So if if that is quenching the Spirit, then Paul's guilty of quenching the Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think Paul's guilty of quenching the Spirit, especially since he's the one who wrote, quench not the Spirit. I never thought about that before, but that's pretty good. I do not want to quench the gifts of the Spirit. I want to understand them, and I want to use them the way that God intends for them to be used. So to that extent, we are going to continue this study of these gifts. And this lesson tonight, it is foundational to what we're going to build on in these next few weeks. And I really hope you're able to be here these next few weeks because these... I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. When we get through all of this, you watch the gifts are going to explode in this church. I promise you, the gifts are going to begin to operate in 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 in, in more freely. Why? A couple of reasons. One, when you begin to teach and discuss on these things. Something happens. I can't tell you exactly what it is. But something happens and God begins to move. And God says, I want to show you just how powerful these things are and what a blessing they can be to you. And also, when people have understanding of how these things are to be operated, it give, where there's understanding, it makes you a lot more comfortable to do. You ever been at work and the boss said, I want you to do this. And then they walk out the door. And you're saying... But how? How do I do this? You work with labor and delivery, and if they'd have just brought you in one day and said, "We want you to help this lady. She's getting ready to deliver this baby. You do what she needs, what all needs to be done," and walked out the door, and you had no training, you'd been saying, "Oh, hold up," <laughs> yeah, you'd go with them. But when the training comes along and says, "This is what you do in these situations," it makes you comfortable. To operate in your gifting, same thing with the Word of God and the gifts of the Spirit. When you understand and when you know how the what these things are and how these things work, when you have that information, it makes you more comfortable to operate in them. Does that make sense to you? So, what are and I am coming to a close. But what are the gifts of the Spirit? They are particular gifts. That accompany the Holy Ghost. They are in the Holy Ghost. You do not get the gifts before you get the Holy Ghost. But when you get the Holy Ghost, the gifts are in the Holy Ghost. Okay? There are gifts that accompany the Holy Ghost. And they are for the edification, the exhortation, and the comfort of the church. They're for the edification... The exhortation and the comfort of the church. That's in Corinthians as well. Edification is to build something up, exhortation is to encourage, to comfort. That's to make you feel safe. And so when these things operate the way they're supposed to, that is how, that is the, the thing that will take place. They're God's way of stepping past the limitations of our humanity and giving us a glimpse of his kingdom in its fullness. We know that right now we see through a glass darkly. But every once in a while when these gifts begin to operate through us and among us, they give us glimpses of clarity into the spirit world. That leads to the question of why. That, that's what they are, but why are they? Well, we need them because God intended for us to rely on His Spirit. The reason that you often feel like... I didn't even think about this being in my notes tonight, but I made reference to getting head above water earlier at the beginning of the service, and then that wave coming over you. The reason that you often feel like you're in over your head is because God wants you to feel like you're in over your head. It causes you... To depend upon him. There is no pastor or evangelist or teacher or ministry leader or singer or Sunday school teacher or musician or prayer warrior or anything else who can do what they need to do effectively without the Spirit working in their life. The gifts, the gifts. Are what caused the vessel to begin to overflow. When Elisha told the widow woman. He said fill the pots with oil. She put what she had into those pots. And it wasn't the oil that she had that made up the difference. It was the spirit of God moving in that situation. That made up the difference. Without the spirit making up the difference. She would have had nothing of value to offer. And so it is with you and I. Without the Spirit of God making up the difference in our lives, we cannot offer anything that is of true, eternal value. Our words will be without value. Our efforts will be without value. There has to be something that makes up the difference. Ministry without God's Spirit is temporary at best but ministry with God's Spirit is eternal. It is eternal. So who is qualified to be used? I told you I was in and I am. It seems that according to the Bible, anybody that is filled with the Holy Ghost is qualified to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. This bothers us at times. We want to think that everyone having some healing crusade, and they don't run with us doctrinally, then whatever they're doing is a sham. And I'm going to tell you tonight, that's not always true. There have been fakes, and there have been charlatans, and there have been people who who legitimately conned folks. But God is no respecter of persons. He will fill any thirsty, repentant person with the Holy Ghost. And contrary to what some people believe, the gifts are not released because you have complete doctrinal understanding. I can show you this. They are released because you have the Spirit. Now, there's two schools of thought you can subscribe to on this. Some people look at any group that's not apostolic. And they may have people that have spoke with tongues... But because they don't have apostolic doctrine, they look at them and they say, well, they didn't get the real Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to tell you tonight, one of the things that gets all over me is when somebody says, well, they didn't, they may have got the Holy Ghost, but they didn't get the same Holy Ghost I got. You better be very careful. You better be very careful. Determining who got what Holy Ghost. Because I got news for you. There ain't but one. And it comes to those that are repentant. Does that negate us needing to go on to continue to walk in doctrinal truth and integrity? Absolutely not. He calls us to walk in the fullness of the truth. And as God reveals it to you, you better be walking in it. Because if you don't, that's where you that's where the line comes somewhere in there. Where the Lord says, All right, until you continue to walk in the truth I've revealed to you. I can't. I, this is as far as I can bring you. So that there therein lies the difference. But some have looked at at different groups and 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 said, well, they didn't have the real Holy Ghost, and those aren't real healings, and those aren't real deliverances. Well, I'm going to tell you, I know, I know personally a man, I personally know a man who was, who was miraculously healed in a conference, somebody preaching, who was part of that latter rain movement. And he was healed. I'm not going to tell you he wasn't healed. He's alive today. He's an old man. He's got the doctor's reports. I'm not going to tell you it didn't happen. I believe it did happen. Doesn't mean that the end of that guy didn't wind up being a total destructive mess. It was. But some there were some legitimate things that came out of it. Gifts do not determine doctrine. You can look at it the correct biblical way. And that says those people may very well be operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. But our beliefs should not be swayed simply by that. Because doctrine which leads to salvation is greater than gifts that lead to additional blessings. I can go to heaven and my body not be healed. And I can go to heaven... And and not have money come pouring down out of the sky. Whatever you want to throw out there. I can go to heaven without all that stuff. Now, I'd rather go with those things. I'd rather my wife go to heaven with the complete healing from diabetes. But she could go to heaven tonight just like she is. You understand? Doctrine that leads to salvation is greater than gifts that lead to additional blessings. You can be saved without the gifts, but you cannot be saved without following the doctrine that the Lord has given to the church. So I do not follow somebody because of their gifting. Hear me. Hear me well. I don't follow somebody because of their gifting. I follow those who still preach and teach the apostles' doctrine because that is who we are instructed to. If somebody comes to you bringing any other gospel, let them be accursed. You don't go that way. And in Mark nine thirty eight, the Bible said, John answered him saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. Jesus said, he may not be with us, but if if there's miracles happening, he's doing it in my name, just leave him alone. Jesus did not say, go follow him. You hear that? He did not say, go follow him. He just said, don't forbid him to do those things in my name. So I'm not going to get upset because somebody gets healed at a church that doesn't have complete apostolic truth and understanding. I'll rejoice with them. But I'm still going to try to lead them to complete apostolic truth and understanding. And the church at Corinth was plagued with fornication, incest, adultery, pride, idolatry, drunkenness, rebellion, gossip. That's quite a church. Yet they still operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Operating in the gifts of the Spirit is not an indication of your spirituality. Did you hear me? Operating in the gifts of the Spirit is not an indication of your spirituality. I've heard very gifted preachers who are as carnal as carnal could be. Manifesting the fruit of the Spirit is the indication of your spirituality. After you've been saved. Manifesting the fruit of the Spirit is the indication of your spirituality but not the operation and the gifts of. I've got to stop there tonight. Folks, we need the gifts of the Spirit. And in this church, the first time I taught this in 2012, three years ago now, the first time I taught this, I taught it because we were a very young church and we had not had any operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And it scared me. And I knew we were a young church, But I also knew if we didn't talk about it, we'd never have it. And so we began to talk about it. And then we began to have it. And I want you to know that there's not a single person in this room tonight that God does not want to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. Which one? I don't know. He divides severally as He will, the Scripture said. That's up to the Lord. But I want all of us to be willing vessels through which He can operate. I think the first thing we all need to do is make sure that we are doctrinally grounded. Because you don't impress me, I'm sorry. You can take your suit coat and go, and the whole crowd fall down. Now, I'm not sure that stuff's real. But even if it is, I'm not impressed that you can knock people down. If you can't make them stand on the word of God. So doctrinal integrity is our first thing that we're after. I'm not telling you to pursue this ahead of doctrine. But I think we've got the doctrine stuff down around here. So we need to talk about this. Let's stand together tonight. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his word. And ask God to be with us the next few weeks as we go forward in this. In the name of Jesus, Lord.